we are we're live live finally live, finally live 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 <laughs> there's a new new fun thing What's to the David, David? <laughs> i got something else for that too What was that? What one? was that one? <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> I love that one. Oh wow, oh, wow. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. All right, we had three. Now we're down to two again because somebody left. That just means I need to do this. <laughs> if somebody fantastic, doesn't get here fantastic. soon, you know what I'm going to say? You know what I'm going to say? Fuck you're going to you. sit. You're going to sit. <laughs> Fuck you. We just get, we just more, get professional more professional every week. every week. Right, don't we? Cheers. <laughs> we're still waiting for number three. <laughs> We need to make, need sure, to make that sure that anybody, that anybody watching, watching isn't, isn't hearing everything, hearing everything twice. twice. They aren't. Because I'm only me, hearing you me. once. Okay, okay. It's just you, buddy. And of course, and of this, course mic, this mic stands, stands messed up. Messed up. We just can't we just win can't these last two But this is like the first time that like your headphones worked. Like where right, you can right. hear yourself. Look, Mark Look, said Mark Nick said has a crazy echo. Does he really? I don't hear it. I'm only hearing it once. It's you. It's you. No, it's not. How is it me? It's something you it's did. something you did. It, it probably is. I bet you can't hear me when I do. I cannot. I cannot. Yeah, see? So if I push that, but then if I do this, that gets rid of the echo, but then I can't hear you. You can't. You can't. So there's that. So then, then I says to the guy. I says. I says. <laughs> Man, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be hard. All right. So what I may have to do is I may have to forego the fun. I may have to forego the fun. What's but your what's price, your for, price fun? for fun? What is what is your price for fun? Hey, what's your price for fun? Hey. Uh, let's hey. Let's, you know what? We're just going to waste a little time here while we're waiting. Well, we do have three people, but let me try this. And if I disappear, I'll come right back. Okay. Can't hear you. We're so, we're so on top of it on here on cover to covered. Every time we try and do different things, this is what happens. Mike is still talking. I don't think he realizes I can't hear him. But now your echo is gone. Mark, thanks for giving us what's happening. Because Mike and I can't tell. I can't hear you. I can't I can't tell if Mike's doing this on purpose, where he's acting like he's talking, but he knows I can't hear him. 
No one can hear you if you're attempting to talk, Mike. I'm talking still. Oh, Mike's Mike's changing everything. Look at how mad he is. It's it's been one of those weeks, folks. And if you remember last time, I had the issue with the uh my cable from the uh device I use that hooks the microphones and everything up to the computer, and that's why I, why I had to be out for the first 10 minutes and now we've got this issue. We need somebody to come in and professionally set up cover to covered every week for myself and Mike. So if you're in the Detroit area or the San Diego area, we need your assistance because this is getting too complicated. But we do have a great show in store for you. We're going to be talking about album openers, the best opening tracks on the on your favorite records. So if you have any suggestions, go ahead and pop them in. Um, I've got quite the list. I know Mike does as well. Mark, how you digging that turntable? Did you play Alan Parsons on it yet? Hopefully you did. Gall McCartney's working a very important private event at his workplace, and clearly he's not paying attention since he's on the chat here. Let's see. I know Mike is disconnecting units. And if he was here, he would say, you said unit. With my headphones. Incredible sound. Yeah, absolutely. Did you get messed up with it being at 45? Because even even when people tell you it's at 45, people still make the mistake. Did you listen to Fleetwood Mac? Fleetwood Mac rumors at 45 done by uh, Steve Hoffman. Pressed at Palace. What an amazing sounding record. Best opening track of all time. New Direction Every Morning. Sugar Ray. You're right. That's a great one. It's not on my list, Gall McCartney, but it that it, that is a fantastic one. All right. Am I here? You're here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Can I hear you? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Now, why am I asking you that? And guess what? There's no echo. Yeah, there's no echo. There's that's, no echo. That's helpful. But I somehow figured out a way to do this, too, but not in the same way. Fuck you! Fuck so, you! Unfortunately, I, there's a loop button, and it allows it to go on a loop, and so I could just do this Fuck and just have you. it play over Fuck and over you. and over. Fuck you! So, great. So now that we wasted... So much time. It's it's now it says all right, Mark is here, Patrick's here, Gall McCartney's here, yet there's only one person watching. How is that possible? I don't know. That's some stupid YouTube bullshit. God damn it. You know what? I'm doing the intro because I've had it at this point and it's been a bad day, so suck it.
Did I see Jeff Goldblum in that? <laughs> yes, you did see Jeff Goldblum in that. 100%. Awesome. Because why not? But you also saw Bruce Springsteen with big dollar signs next to him. <laughs> $18,000 a ticket? Oh, don't. Come on. Let's not start this. No, we're going to start this. All right. First off, dynamic price. We need to have a topic that people actually care about before we get into the music nobody cares about. So, listen, I am tired, sick and tired of prices of tickets. They're just going to the moon. And this whole dynamic pricing thing does not work. No, it doesn't. All right. It does not work. So here's what needs to happen. Ticketmaster and the managers of the bands need to get together and be like, Managers need to go, screw you, charge this much per ticket, that is it, okay? And then, going forward, scalpers on resale, 90% of the profit off that should go to the artist. Yep. Then I guarantee you, there won't be nearly as much scalping. No. That would solve the whole issue. And you know what's really crazy about the Springsteen thing? Because it seems to be such a hot news story, even though this isn't the only artist that this has happened to. No, it's not, um, but it's probably the biggest. Yeah. And it, when, if you remember a few years ago, Bruce did the, the Broadway thing where he mm -hmm. was playing a theater that only held about 1,200 people. Yep. So those tickets were in high demand, and even those weren't as much money as some of these arena shows are. And it's because of that Ticketmaster dynamic pricing. So you're absolutely right management and artists need to say no we're not doing this but yeah. it should be cleared that it's not the artist saying they want to charge five thousand dollars this is software in no, play th th that's this doing is this. true no i agree with you 100 percent. but at the same time somebody's getting that money yeah right and it, I, I can't say it's going to be going to the artist i don't know who it's going to is it going to Ticketmaster? there has to be something in there where somebody's getting rich off this I would think it's mostly going to Ticketmaster with a percentage of it going to the artist. It's got to go to the promoter, too. Yeah, that, too. I, I don't know. Everybody's got to share in this. I think the big thing of why Bruce is getting singled out about this is because this is so against everything he's always been about that yeah. I think it's kind of shocking to people. And I'd like to think that if they knew that it was going to play out this way, he probably wouldn't have agreed to it. But since he's not saying anything... You got, you're left to make that assumption. You know, Bruce is basically saying... Fuck you! you basically. Know, basically. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's kind of a shame because, you know, that's never been what he's been about. But, you know, things change. I don't know. I don't know how it was presented to him. There's so many variables, but it, you know it, it does he's suck. He's saying... But what really sucks is, and you're going to start seeing this all over the place. So people that are thinking it's just Bruce Springsteen is, are, you're out of your mind. Wait till, like we talked last week about those Pantera tickets. Wait mm -hmm. till when those go on sale. The same thing will happen. And people that are actual fans of these artists are the ones getting shut out. And that's the real shame. Is that I know tons of people that you know they they go and see multiple Bruce shows and they're huge fans and they're not going to be able to go because they're getting fucked. Out, yeah. of, out of tickets, you know? Here's the thing, though. We all know it's possible, right? It's possible to cut down on this because you got those two uh, Taylor Hawkins tribute, you know, a memorial shows coming up, one in England, one in the U.S., right? 
Yep. I tried. I wanted to buy tickets for the one here in the U.S. It's at the L.A. Forum. It's two hours away from me, you know, and I'm a big Foo Fighters fan. Of course, I, w- I want to go. And, you know, I'll admit it's a little bit of FOMO, you know, because you've seen like 30 amazing artists on stage. You know, I, I definitely don't want to miss out on that, but couldn't get the tickets. Here's what they did. They made it so you can't scalp the tickets. You can only sell it through the Ticketmaster Marketplace at face value. Beautiful. You know. Beautiful. There are other people that have found ways to circumvent this, but I don't think they're working because I have a friend of mine who's been trying to buy these tickets for over like $400 a piece and it won't go through like five, six times in a row. So obviously something's going on there. Uh, somebody's finding out about it and clamping down on it. And my buddy should probably have his credit card number changed. Uh, <laughs> at, at this point, you know, you, you try that many times. It's got to be like, it's it's got to be something that's uh, just bad and awful. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I mean, the, the Bruce thing is, is just crazy. Um, there's ways to fix this and yet nobody is. Right. You know, and it's really maddening. It, it's just about as, as annoying as air travel right now. Um, which I, ooh. oh my God, I, th- I mean, your story for those that aren't friends with Mike on Facebook, his, uh, air travel story for the last week was so insane that it seemed like he was making it up. I know you weren't because you don't nope. have to make this up, nope. but if you don't know Mike and you were reading this, you would think he it completely bullshit at all it was it was so nuts on the way out and the way back that's what killed me because i almost commented but i didn't want to jinx you and i was gonna say well if it was that bad on the way there at least coming home it'll be easy but i knew better yeah i knew better than to say that worse so (laughs) yeah yeah that went well so i'll I'll give the reader's digest version (laughs) on this one so i flew out for a work trip and uh I was flying into JFK, but instead I wound up in LaGuardia because my connecting flight uh, left before my 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 initial flight landed. So problem number one, the flight, the first flight leaving late made me miss the second flight. Well, they had three hours to get my luggage because I had to check. I never checked bags, but I had to check bags because there were tools in them. So um, the bags had three hours to make it onto the new flight, which was late in and of itself. And left at a half, left a half hour, half hour late. They never made it onto that flight. So now I'm being flown to a completely different airport. I'm flying to LaGuardia as opposed to JFK. Fine, not a problem. Before I knew that my luggage didn't make it, I tried switching my rental car to where I could pick it up at LaGuardia, which is literally like 10 miles away. And there's an Avis there and there's an Avis at JFK. And I figured I could just, well, you know, you need to cancel it because it's prepaid and all this other stuff. And uh, yeah, since it's prepaid, you need to cancel and that'll be a $150 cancellation fee. Right. Cause it's wait, wait, yeah, right. Hang on, (laughs) hang on here. You know, you're going to charge me $150 for something that I had zero control over. Okay. So uh, I decide not to do that. So I get to LaGuardia. My luggage of course is not there, but guess what? I need to go to Philly this particular evening so i tell them well send my bags to philly and i could pick them up or you can drop them off at my airport uh, at my hotel in the meantime i take an uber from jf uh, from laguardia to jfk i get off the plane it's 40 dollars. i go and after i check on my luggage it's 108 dollars, 
and this was five minutes later. Oh my god! And like so, you just mentioned, they're ten miles apart, but in New York, it's like that might as they might as well be five hundred miles apart. Yeah, depending on the time. But you have to remember now. This is like one o'clock in the morning, yeah. so this isn't like during rush hour or anything. This is nuts. So I I wait another. I go to get in the taxi line. The taxi line's a half mile long. Like, all right, screw that. I look on the phone again. It's now like $62. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm booking this right now. Like, this is ridiculous. You know, 40 to 62, I can handle it, whatever. I just want to get the car. I get the car. I drive to Philly. And by the time I, I get to my hotel, it's now like 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they were about to cancel my reservation. <laughs> on and on and on and on and on i, I and I, I i had to go to target to buy clothes because i didn't have any clothes <laughs> you know i had like no toothbrush you know like nothing i had nothing and then uh on the way there's more to it that i'm not even gonna get into yeah yeah it would take but the whole show to tell everybody would, yeah. everything but it, it took two days to get my luggage then on the way back all right my flight leaves about an hour late out of pittsburgh but gets in an hour and a half before my connecting flight through Dallas, and then that flight gets canceled because there was no pilots. That was the part that I, when I was reading your your uh, blog about it, when you said, when I got to the part where you said you heard the pilot say, yeah, I'm just going to the hotel, so yeah. I wouldn't put anybody on this plane until you have a pilot. Yeah. I mean, could it, I mean, and I'm sure, I know there's all sorts of uh, legal issues and stuff with the pilot flying, but like, when you're in the position you were in, you were probably like, I'm going to kick this motherfucker in the head. I He was too far away, and you can get arrested for things like that. So I decided it was best not to. But really, I mean, like, my... <laughs> I, I got I was all like, like, that's what I was totally all about. I was just like this. Like, I was sitting there in the airport going, <laughs> like, it was just terrible. And then I, I'm watching them behind the counter, the agents behind the counter, and they get a phone call. And one of the women hangs up, looks at the other, and she goes, I don't want to make this announcement. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is my cue. I start walking to customer service. It's now like 11 o'clock at night in Dallas. <laughs> I'm walking to customer service as she's announcing that the flight is canceled. Then I start running to customer service. The customer service line's a quarter mile long because there were so many other flights that got canceled, but I did it on my phone. I switched it. I switched my flight till 7 p.m. the next day. That was the earliest flight I could get out. I book a hotel. I go to the hotel. They don't have any rooms, but I'm like, but I just booked a room. And they're like, I don't know how we don't have any rooms. <laughs> so I took a $35 Uber to that hotel just to have, just to say, well, we got a sister property over here. I go to the sister property. The dude has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> and they gave me like the last room in the hotel that they give to, you know, like deviants and, and the homeless <laughs> i'm pretty sure because it smelled like cat and the air conditioning didn't work and it's like 85 degrees and 85 percent humidity at like one o'clock in the morning oh my god and yeah so so the kicker the thing that i didn't type the next day i go to the airport i get my flight moved up to 4 p.m and i'm confirmed on that like okay that's cool but i knew there was a 130 i was the number one person on standby i go down there it's delayed till 2 30 all right fine not a problem. I'm still going to get in an hour and a half early. <laughs> they, they unload that plane. Then there's a mechanical issue. <laughs> like, what the hell is oh going on? Oh, my God. So at about quarter after two, I go up to the agent. I'm like, 
I'm going to take myself off the standby list if that's okay with you because I'm confirmed on this four o'clock. She goes, that's probably a better bet. I go, thank you for your honesty. And I left. I went to the other terminal. I left at four. That next flight didn't leave until five. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, you can't make that up. It's like it went wrong every step of the way. Every step of the way. There There was no winning in this particular instance why do you think i'm drinking during the week again like i don't drink during the week i just don't but you don't you don't drink a lot often in general yeah Yeah. i just don't but this again this this show is brought to you by mission brewery um it's not but but it is now it is you know if you have a lady friend that works there that's what happens so uh anyway so that's my that's my nonsense uh rant of the week um, but, but we need to get to the meat of the matter here. How are you? <laughs> I didn't have any travel problems. So you didn't, you there's travel. that. I didn't No, I didn't go anywhere last week. I mean, I drove all over town for certain things, but, um, yeah, no air travel for me. So that sounds like that was a positive part <laughs> of it. That's good. So, oh. Uh, Let's let's get this out of the way. Twenty minutes in, I'm Mike Venezia. This is Nick Morocco. Yes, and uh, this is Cover to Covered. And uh, Nick, what's the name of your store? <laughs> Rock City Music Company. And where are you located? Livonia, Michigan. And uh, where can we find you? RockCityMusicCo.com. Yes. Or yeah. in person, Five Mile in Farmington. There you go. Oh yeah. So I need to do this though. We need to get the. Uh, where is it again? Oh, yeah, this one. The the scroll, the ticker is going. So shout out to our uh, number one fan, Mark Garney, who came in thanks to this show and purchased a brand new turntable. Got a nice music hall turntable from me. Um, he also got uh, Alan Parsons project. Uh, Eye in the sky, mobile fidelity that I've been talking about so much. Uh, he also got the mastered at 45 uh fleetwood mac rumors which is keeps keeps going in and out of print so i told him if he was interested need to grab it because it'll go back up to being 200 bucks so exactly exactly but he he was telling people in the store about this show and he was like you gotta watch this it's it's unbelievable these guys just they argue about everything (laughs) and and mike has this dog roger who like for 90 minutes in the background is just going crazy and doing stuff and mike's yelling at the dog it's like it's the most entertaining show i've ever seen you can't see what he's doing right now can you no. there he is he's eating he's eating a napkin <laughs> actually he's not eating it he's just holding it in his mouth and looking at me there he is right right there <laughs> right there with a napkin in his mouth and uh just looking at me like daddy come play and i'm like no come here we need a roger cam where you can switch to what he's doing at any moment (laughs) dude i couldn't even get like a soundboard going and and like i spent 90 bucks on the damn thing and i spent four hours uh over the course of two days trying to get this thing to work and then i thought it worked and then all it did was made you echo (laughs) doesn't make much sense So, uh, yeah, at least I, I found a way to do that without the soundboard. It's just not as fun. No. You know, because this, I mean, I got to be honest, like this thing like looks cool, 
Look at that. I can't believe that's what what's what's got all the sounds in it. What's happening, baby? Well, it it's it actually is just triggering sounds off the computer. <laughs> so I that, see. that are all in a folder. So it's basically like hey, redirecting. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. Do you want to talk about new releases or what we're currently spinning? Fuck you! Um, <laughs> we're never going to get monetized. Uh, <laughs> well, all right. If we're going to talk about new releases, let's get some background music going. How about that? We'll do what? That. Yeah. This one's are we going to talk? Are we going to talk about new releases or are we going to bed? Well, all right, wait, I could play this one. This one's called Feeding the Ducks. Oh, yeah. New releases. First, well, we skipped over currently spinning. Well, I was about to say, first, before anything, Nick, what are you listening to? Well, I saw the cult last week, last Wednesday. Hey, so did I. You saw them last Friday, right? I or- did. Yes, I did. About a week so- and a half ago, so. So, Sonic Temple, because 70% of their set was Sonic Temple. It was. And they were good, but they weren't great, unfortunately. You know, I I thought they were good. Actually, I, they were borderline great. I just think that the reason why they weren't great at the show I saw, which was in Philly, and this is what is really weird. First of all, the show wasn't sold out, which was odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because ours was. Yeah, the Philly show was not sold out. Um, And the crowd, and you know, Philly crowds are usually pretty damn rowdy. You know, they boo Santa Claus. Like, you know, it was dead. It was dead. Like, Ian Asbury was like, what's up? Yeah, right. (laughs) Come on, give us something. And uh, as as much as he tried, and they're all just like, I'm like, wow, this is Philly. Yeah. Holy cow. Now, I've seen concerts in Philly, all right, and they've been off the chain. Like, I saw Pantera and Prong in, like, 94 at the Spectrum, and that was one of the most violent, crazy shows I had ever seen. I think all those people were at this show 28 years later and were just too damn tired. <laughs> well, I felt like... I felt like Ian Asbury was phoning it in here. It wasn't like... The crowd was the crowd was into it. We didn't have the issue where the crowd wasn't into it. Well, a large portion of the crowd was into it. I had a guy sitting directly in front of Rachel and I who sat in his chair on his phone the entire time. And we were like six rows from the stage. I so, gotta be honest. That that was me like during Black Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Like I didn't even get there in time to see them. But I don't know. I love the cult. They're one of my absolute favorite bands, and I don't. I don't have any point of reference of seeing them in their heyday. But from everything my friends told me that were there that did see them back in the day, they were like, "This is this is an imitation of what it used to be." Well, I mean, they're in their sixties, right? right? I think John Tempest is like one of the youngest guys in the band, the drummer, and he was great. He was fantastic. He's yeah, he's he's always. I've never seen. Any band that I ever either worked with John in or that I've seen him play in, whether it was Zombie, White Zombie or Rob Zombie or in Helmet or in The Cult, like he he just brings it. He yeah. brings it every show. And he is on and he sounds great and he's a pro. He's the consummate pro. Um, 
But these guys did this tour in advance. They have a new album coming out, I believe, in September. Yep. September, October. So this is sort of like a warm-up uh, for that. So, I mean, maybe there's something to that. And, like, they just want to get the, you know, shake the rust off. You haven't been able to tour in a while. So they, they played around here in May. And it was a show that was sold for 2020. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, they really haven't played a lot. And, you know, I attribute a little bit of that to it. But, I mean, they are, you know, I mean, like, I, Billy I don't Duffy know sounded what, great. You know? Yeah, Billy Duffy was amazing. And Ian, don't get me wrong, it, yeah. you know, it's not a case where he can't sting anymore or anything mm. like that. He still has a great voice. Oh, he sounded great. And he can't when, do the high part. He can't do the high parts. No, no, but, but like, for f- here, I don't know what it was like in Philly when you saw them. But, like, when they did Edie from Sonic Temple, he sang the fuck out of it he was amazing hmm. and then when they did like wildflower and and um fire woman songs that they've been playing probably consistently every show of their career he was less than enthused i mean it was clear to everybody that he did not want to sing those songs but he because he can't sing the, the the keyboardist is doing the high harmony because he yeah. can't he can't do it you know, but and there, so- there was that there was that, but there was also there had to be something going on between him and Billy Duffy the night that I saw them because they did not look at each other one time. Billy played with his back to Ian the entire show. Oh, no, I think that's what he does. Well, I don't know because I did saw Billy too. Okay. Well, I saw him like maybe 10 years ago and, and they Billy were just like faced that way. Yeah. Like okay. So time. same. Yeah. Same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Same thing. But I don't know. It, there was a weird energy between the two of those guys. Mm. And and I saw them about a decade ago. And they're not hanging all over each other or anything. But they they definitely were not as distant as they were this time. So I don't know. I still enjoyed the show, but there was a lot of people upset here that they felt like they got a phoned in performance. So. Yeah, I, I, I mean, to to some extent, that's I, I felt a little bit like that. But I mean, that's why I say it was borderline great, because the music was spot on. Yeah, like, n- everybody nailed their parts. Billy sounded incredible. I didn't know he was playing Les Pauls now as opposed to the Gretsch, you know, White Falcons and things like that, though. Yes. He brought that out at the end, of course, for uh, Firewoman and Love Removal Machine. And <laughs> sorry. Yes, I couldn't I couldn't hide it anymore. It's just there. Uh, <laughs> Um, anyway, so that was cool. I mean, you know, there's, there's some other shows I'm really looking forward to speaking of what, what I'm listening to right now. Like, uh, it's funny th- this, I've been trying to mellow out this week. So I've been listening to like Joe Jackson night and day. Oh, <laughs> like, fantastic. Record. Billy Joel's songs from the attic. You know, I, I picked these up when I was on the road last week and picked up some really beautiful OG copies of, 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 uh, of some albums, including your Bruce's born in the USA which I got somebody had to have mismarked this thing because it had the hype sticker and everything. It was five bucks. Yeah, that's a steal. And which with, I with can't believe you bought and it. The hype sticker. I can't believe you bought it. It was five bucks. Like, all right, I better put some other Bruce in here. I have two Bruce albums now, and I've, to be honest, I have not put either of them on my turntable. Uh, but when I did get home, there were a couple of LPs that were waiting for me that I forgot about, which was kind of awesome. So uh, I also, uh, I'll talk about that in a minute, but I also was able to go to, uh, since I was in the Northeast, I'd never been to Newberry Comics. Oh. And uh, so I went to two of them because you kind of have to go to more than one of them and see what exclusives they have. For those of you that don't know, Newberry Comics is like a chain of like a dozen stores that do comics and things like that, but they also 
are so big as far as records go, they get their own exclusives made. And a lot Usually of great run, ones. A lot of great ones, like runs of a 500 or a 1,000 or whatever, and they become big-time collectibles. So I encourage you all to check them out because they have some really cool stuff. I was able to pick up uh, <laughs> Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. I don't like them, but I picked up uh, for, uh, for Jones, my girlfriend, I, I picked up... Uh, a copy of one of their albums that was on clear vinyl, you know, a uh, thousand piece run. Uh, I picked up Mr. Bungle's uh, uh, Raging Wrath of the Easter Bunny on blue splatter vinyl. They only made a thousand of those. I picked that up as well. I also picked up like a copy of Quadrophenia, the movie soundtrack for like $11. Wow. Brand new. Like, That's okay. better than the movie. Yeah. The movie I didn't see and I don't want to, but the soundtrack is worth having for $11. So, um, so I picked up a bunch of those things, but when I got home, I had won some auctions and I forgot. I saw one of them that you won. In fact, I watched you win it. Which one? The elder? Yeah. The elder. Yeah. Yeah, So I got an OG sealed copy of the elder by kiss. Now, would this be a lot cooler if it was Detroit rock city or any other kiss album? (laughs) Yes. It would be even if it was Peter Chris's solo album. Would it be cooler? All right, well maybe. Hang on. Yeah, of course it would be. Nah, I don't know. Anything's better than the Elder, except for the except. song "The Oath." And I, I's kind of cool. I's okay. The Oath is the fucking track on the that Oath record. The Oath is good. Um, what was the what was the um, what was the ace track on that album again? I forgot. Uh, dark Light. Dark Light. That's okay too. Is a good yeah. solo in it. That's a Dark Light. Yeah, well, I mean, he talks through the whole thing anyway. You know, it's basically like rip it out part two, um, and vocally, not musically. Musically, no. far inferior to rip it out. But um, and then uh, I also got Kiss Asylum, uh, King of the Mountain, uh, Kiss Asylum, uh, uh, Italian press, OG sealed, and I also got Kiss Revenge, not sealed, but OG, and I got Hella Waits. What color for uh, Revenge? What do you mean, what color? Well, OG copies were all colored vinyl. Were they? Yeah. There was gray. Yeah, there was gray. There was I never looked a at blue it. marble. Hang on. Yeah. Let me go look. This is important. This is important details, folks. Nobody else cares what color of revenge that Mike got, but, but, but I do. All right, I'm back. Let's see. All right, so now here's the big reveal. We're going to look at it together. Let's Let's see. see. Let's kiss revenge. Uh, Are you sure that's an OG? Okay, yeah, it is. Yep, it definitely is. I'm going to guess. copy, not for resale. I'm going to guess gray. It's not. Okay. Black. It's black? I've never seen a black vinyl OG press of revenge. All right, so. Yeah. It's definitely an OG. I mean, I can tell by the way but the it's, track it's also a, It's also a promo copy, so maybe that was pressed on black. I don't know. But it's labeled as such. I mean, right there. It says yeah. promo copy, not for resale. So, hey, man, maybe it's even rarer. What did you pay for that? I won it. You won that? I won that in an auction. Okay. All right. I'm well, not in an auction. Uh, in a raffle. Sorry. All these things I'm talking about, I won in raffles, except for the KISS uh, Asylum, which I did pay like 50 bucks for. It's not bad. No, not at all. But I think I bought like two spots for five bucks each for the Kiss that's, Revenge. That's killer, yeah. So, yeah. 
Uh, let's see. Are you still spinning that Culture Club Color by Numbers album you bought last month, Nick? These, I don't think that's. Are, I don't think that was directed at me. Well, it's certainly not for me because I didn't buy it. So whoever Snowball is is talking to you. The way I look at it. Um, and <laughs> if I did buy the Color for Numbers album, I would be spinning it. So there's that. But uh, who's Snowball? Anyway, um, you probably know. It's probably I don't. It's probably Gall McCartney Part Two. Uh, so anyway, so what's coming out this week, dude? Hang on. Wait. Actually, before I do that, I'm sorry. I, we, we need to, of course, get back to feeding the ducks. So coming out this week, the uh, I know a lot of people are excited about this. I don't know if you are, Mike, because I know you got the other version, but Tool's Fear Inoculum is being released as a three LP set. So for the people, the fans that the five LP mega box was out of your price range, this is your way to pick up the album at a more affordable price point. How much is it? I think it's going to be 70 bucks. All right. 65 so bucks, maybe. I, I don't have the pricing in front of me, but. I, I know I'm pimping out other stores here, and you're going to hate me for this. But you're going to say on Amazon you can get it right now for $99. The, uh, is that the what, five is that LP. What it is? I believe so. All right, because that's what Newberry Comics was selling it for when I was there. 99 bucks. Yeah. Obviously, and, they they did not sell enough of those. No, and and but it's because of the price point. I mean, ninety nine bucks is what that thing should have been priced at to begin with. I don't know, man. That 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 I have it. I did it's not. A, pay full it's price a nice for set. It. It's a nice set. But the thing is, is if you average that a, a record is twenty to twenty two bucks a hit, mm. that should be a hundred dollars, maybe a hundred and ten. But aren't all the LPs single sided? They're single-sided with etchings on the back. Right. So it's it's gimmicky in a way, which it's is a fine. Package. It's fine, but that it was too it was priced too high at $170. No. That's why they no, didn't sell I think, that. Many. I think $179 was okay for it. I wouldn't have paid that for it. I would have waited. I paid it 120. I paid 129. So I got it at a deal, but now I'm kicking myself because I could have waited like three months and gotten it for 99 bucks. But at the same time, it paled in comparison to if you bought it at the concert for $810. Wasn't that version different though? I no, mean, I know they it was signed, signed it. By, that was it. Oh, okay. That well, was yeah, it. you're right. It does pale in comparison. Now. So $179 versus 810, like 179 sounds pretty good and yeah. honestly like i've bought rush box sets that have less content for more yeah so you know i mean 179 dollars didn't seem too bad 99 dollars is an outright steal that's that's a steal but i think there's the perception factor you know people are used to paying you know 25 to 50 bucks for a new release and when yeah. you're four times that almost it's like people weren't having it i mean i'm hearing it in the store right there's tons of tool fans that wanted that set that didn't buy it because of the price well now you can discount it to below cost and make no money on it yeah well that's pretty much that's, what they're doing well that's what everyone expects anyways right yeah. so <laughs> so that's coming it. out you got it so that one's coming out and then the other big thing the mccartney box which has mccartney one two and three together for the first time how much if you're if, uh, I think it's 89 bucks. Ah, rip off. No, it's not a rip $10 off. $10 more, you can get a toolbox set. <laughs> um, so for those that aren't familiar, the albums, McCartney 1, 2, and 3, everything on those records is played by Paul. So the drumming, the keyboards, the vocals, of course, the bass playing, uh, all 
iconic in his career for different reasons. The third one, which came out during COVID, is unbelievable. That Paul McCartney at age 79 or however old he was when he recorded it is still putting out records that good is unbelievable. I don't think he played everything on McCartney 2. Well, he yeah, he did. He played all the horns. Well, those are synthesized. Are they? Yes. Are they, though? Yes. Are they, though? Have you, so seen, the video? Up- have you seen the video for coming up? I have. Unfortunately, it's not very good. No, it's not. But it, everybody's Paul. Yes. <laughs> so that's coming out. The tool's coming out. And then the... Uh, oh, the tool is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> the next run of David Bowie reissues is coming out as well. Which ones? Uh, so this is going to be like his 90s album. So Buddha of Siberia, Earthling, Hours, Black Tie, White Noise, all the records that are super high dollar. Um, they because come out. nobody wanted them. <laughs> No, those records are all right. It's definitely his experimental phase more than anything. But, this is uh, Madonna phase. It is. But there's some good stuff on those records. Buddha of Siberia, the song, is is fantastic. And uh, Earthling's a great record. But for those that don't follow, Bowie puts out these, um, well, his, his family or, or the record label puts out these amazing deep dive sets for these five-year eras. So this is the fifth one they've done. And then later on, they come out not in the box set. They come out individually, mm. but you don't get everything that you got in the box set. So all the live shows, the uh, recall compilations and everything are not available for purchase unless you get the box set. So I've been getting all the boxes. I didn't mean for me to be like in front. I tried to do it with you in front, but I, that just... You hit not, the wrong button. Yeah, I did. Uh, let's see. How does that... How do I do that? No. No. It got close on us. Whoa. Can you turn that fucking music off? It's no, killing man, me. It's, we're feeding the ducks, dude. Come on. It's killing me. What about this one? This one's just called Rock. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm telling you, this one's still the best. (laughs) This is like weenie in the butt on Family Guy. Wow. Okay. Well, listen, talk for like 35 seconds because I got to go do something. I'll be right back. Uh Uh, Roger's doing something. No, Roger's not doing anything. Actually, I'm out of new releases. That's it? You only had three? You tell me to only have three. Oh, you're a dick. Oh, think of another one. Think of another one. Let me invent a release so Mike can go grab another beer or whatever he's doing. But if you're unfamiliar with that era of David Bowie, it's there's actually a lot of great stuff in there. But it is definitely electronic based. It's what led into him working with Nine Inch Nails. The next Bowie box is going to be fantastic, though, because it'll have Heathen in it, which is a criminally underrated record. Heathen and uh, what's the next one? Uh, reality, great record, and yeah, then great uh, record. the next day, amazing. I have no idea what you just said. And by the way, Roger did. Uh, if we look over here, where uh, right there, uh, that tissue is now an X tissue. <laughs> he's he's blocking it. He's trying to hide his 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 dirty work. All right, so 
Whew. It's time. Yeah, it's time to get into the. It's been forty-five minutes. This is I know, ridiculous. I know, but we're we're having fun, and I needed another beer because it's that kind of day. People are going to stop tuning in. Patrick Middlestat and Mark Garney and Gall McCartney and John and Mike is making a new release. All right, somebody is fucking with me here. Yeah, it's I, you. I don't know not who me. Snowball is. Right, but it's you. It's not. It's not somebody fucking with me. Though that is kind of funny. Mike is making a new release. Yeah, that's that's funny. Making some. Brown it's probably bread. Um, Jeff. Well, if his name is Snowball, then it would make a lot of sense. <laughs> Tell All everybody right. what the topic is, Mike. So the topic is in the beginning, and what we mean by in the beginning is songs that kicked off albums. The yes. best songs to kick off an album. Something that really, you know, the, when, and I've been there, when you, when you sequence an album, when, it, when a band records an album, they come up with like 15 songs, right? And by, by contract, they have to at least do 11. So out of those 15, you wind up with 11. Four of those are kept for either soundtracks, Japanese releases, European releases, whatever. B-sides, yeah. B-sides, extras. But out of those 11, now you got to put those in an order. Now, in the times of... CD was, you know, you ran it one through 11, but in the times of LPs and cassettes and cassettes was always a little wonky because it was always a timing thing. There was a lot of times when side one and side two of an LP did not equal side A and side B of a cassette Mm -hmm. because of timing. So, um, and forget about trying to sequence an eight track. Oh no. You have to keep hitting the button for every two songs. Um, so the biggest thing is what is the debut track off this album? Not the single single could be different. Yep. Single could be the fourth, fifth, second, first song didn't matter, but what is going to kick off this album to set the tone, right? What's the song that made you go, wow, I need to listen to track two, three, four, five, flip the record and listen to the next five or so. Right. Yep. So that's what it's called in the beginning. We're looking for the best first tracks from albums now some of you have put in your your um your suggestions uh, in fact i remember mark garney speaking of alan parsons uh from eye in the sky he went with Sirius. yeah and Sirius is a great song now here's a funny thing i did not know until about two weeks ago that that song was an alan parsons project song yeah most people know it as michael jordan's intro yeah exactly he's the intro yeah. for the chicago bulls and most other sporting events it seems so and it's an amazing tune but i did not realize that was an alan parsons alan parsons project song and it's a great intro and they will be rich forever for licensing on that song a hundred percent so is that a great song to kick off an album absolutely yes and it's what what we what i want to make sure everybody understands is i we 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 picked this subject based on what makes it what does it set up the entire record yeah. because there's a lot of great opening tracks but like you're saying what what are these songs that make you go i gotta listen to the rest of this album exactly and there's a lot of options but that that that's what what we were focused on and i made a side rule for myself where i only picked one song per artist because okay. like because That's like fair. let's say again we always use like Kiss or Van Halen as the example. Yeah. Kiss has like seven great lead off tracks, but mm. they <laughs> don't even start with me. Mm. But I limited it to one per artist. 
Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I'm pretty much going to do the same thing. So uh, without setting the rule, it just sort of organically happened. Um, but yeah, the, the oh, by the way, just to let you know, uh, and you, Nick, as well, because I didn't tell you, but next week's topic is called And In The End. And it's going to be songs that finished albums. Right. <laughs> the best songs that finished albums. The last track on the song. Love it. Love it. So, And that's a tougher one. It is. It's that's much harder. a tougher one. So... Uh, but yeah, I'm going to let you go first on this one. Give us give us your first track. Okay, so the first one I thought of that just kicks off a fantastic record that makes you go, I got to listen to the rest of this. And of course, the rest of the record lives up to it as well. And that is Refugee by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers from Damn the Torpedoes. You are so 100% wrong, but all right. Why? Because uh, I hate Tom Petty, so there's that. Do you really? I don't like Tom Petty. What kind of person are you he's like just a he's a nouveau bob dylan and i don't like bob dylan oh my god you're just talking all kinds of bullshit see this is this is i'm glad you don't drink that often because you start saying dumb shit when you i do. would say it's sober i've never heard you make that kind of a dumb statement sober that's because you've been drunk when i made them <laughs> probably a good possibility <laughs> No, uh, that actually, I mean, like in the scope of music, you have to give it credit. Like Refugee is a great tune to kick off an album because if I happen to like Tom Petty or if I didn't and I wanted to like Tom Petty and I heard Refugee, I would want to listen to the next track and the one after that and hope that the songs would get better. But if they don't, <laughs> don't let's just move on. What's your first pick? Well, my first one, and this is not my favorite opening track, but. It's something I have a sample for, and this is going to cause us to get banned on Facebook, and I kind of don't care because I'm not happy with Facebook. But let me turn up the volume on this one. You ready? Yep. This is a great opening track to an album. Yep. Song Remains the Same from Houses of the Holy. That 12-string that guitar riff, hard to beat. I mean, you know, in, in a lot of ways for a Zeppelin album. I mean, they, we can go with several different Zeppelin songs, like Black Dog is great, and you know, there's a bunch of other Zeppelin songs. I had a great you know, Achilles' Last Stand. That is in your face right away. Just like, boom, hit you right over the head. You know, and that's why I really dig it. I think that's a great opening song for an album. It's a fantastic pick. I'm not going to say it's 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 dumb like you did about Tom Petty. Well, because Tom Petty's dumb, but you know, it's, you know... It's more of a, I was going to pick a Steve Miller song. Oh, God. I was well, going to go with The Joker, which yeah. is not even the first song on the album, but I just wanted to it's, do it. It's the first song to make you realize that guy blows. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was uh, the other one, Abracadabra. That one sucks, uh, too. No, it doesn't. All right. Next, you're up. Black Sabbath, the best era of Black Sabbath, the Ronnie James Dio Black Sabbath, Neon Knights, which opens Heaven and Hell. Okay, so you're going to get a fight on the best era of Black Sabbath. That's completely not, the best era of Black no, Sabbath. No, it is not. But you're going to get a big, big check on Neon Knights because Neon Knights is a kick-ass tune. And a lot of people don't know it. No. A lot of people don't know it. In fact, there was a band in Long Island that I used to be real and still really good friends with. And they played it in their set because they would, they, were, they would always do these killer Black Sabbath covers. Borgo Pass. Big shout out to Borgo Pass. And... Uh, they played Neon Knights one time, and I saw like three people that actually knew the song, like go, "They're playing Neon Knights," and like right. ran in, like, "Oh my god!" Like, wow, it is such a great Black Sabbath tune. 
it's it's and it, to me to me it's 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 you know it kicks off that new era of the band yeah, and does. you instantly know it's different than Yo, the Ozzy era instantly it, it has you know. a different groove a different feel it's far more upbeat it's not you know, what is this you know uh, yeah, there's no nasally shitty vocals. It's, right, there's you know an what? actual there's, vocal performance. Right, you need to stop. <laughs> I'm I'm not allowed to like Tom Petty, and you're you're allowed to not think that Ozzy's Black Sabbath was the best. It's not. The Dio era is definitely better. Oh my god, you're such a dick. It's way better. Mm. There's a lot. There's a lot more shitty Aussie material than there is shitty Dio material. Because there was only like three Dio albums. Because yeah, because <laughs> thank God there was only three. Oh my God, I hate you. Okay, my turn. Jesus Christ on a crutch with a popsicle stick. Um, <laughs> what? Ah, <laughs> uh, Cowboys from Hell. Great one pantera the album is cowboys from hell the song cowboys from hell that circulating that oscillating you know guitar riff and then dimebag comes in underneath that oscillating i don't know if it, i think it was a guitar you know yeah it had to have been something just on like loop and then he comes in with that you know with the not so distorted and then when it kicks in and it beats you over the goddamn head oh my god that was a revelation when I was I was on uh, I was in college radio at the time, and Pantera for me was a new band, and it as it was for everybody in '91 yes. because it was their first major label release. When we put that song on, when we put the needle down because it was on LP, when we put the needle down on that, we had a we had three studios in the in the in the record uh, in the in the radio station, and then in the middle was like a like the live room to do like you know four or five people you know. We started moshing around the tables in the live room. <laughs> Just the three or four of us DJs because it was so awesome. It was such like this, like, okay, defining moment. Metal has changed. Yep. You know, that really defined the changing of heavy metal. It went from that sort of like thrash cartoony version of thrash to like, this has groove. Okay. Yep. Groove yeah. and uh, just the, the tightness of yes. Pantera. Oh, yeah. 100%. Which. Let me just lead into, because I put a Pantera song on here, too. And I assumed you were going to pick Cowboys from Hell, so I went with Mouth for War. Great song. Yeah. Great album. Vulgar was Vulgar Display of Power is like one of those classic metal albums. Like, every single song is absolutely amazing. Yep. And Mouth for War, that, 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 that Mouth for War, the intro to Mouth for War is sort of like a preamble to war. It's like leading you into war, literally. Yeah. And it, yeah. it, it definitely fits. It definitely I, fits. I, Here's the funny thing about that intro, though. You don't hear that again in the song. It's just in the beginning. Yeah, right. <laughs> it doesn't come back again. But you talk about that groove and, and, uh, and and I was saying the tightness. What I think is great, like because Cowboys is fantastic, the, yeah. the whole album, it's great. But they're still finding their way in a sense. Yeah. When Pantera becomes Pantera on Vulgar Display of Power, hundred percent. Because like there's, of course, like Art of Shredding and Domination and yeah. stuff on Cowboys is is the start of that. But you still have things like Cemetery Gates, which is yeah. great, but it's different. They never went back to things like that. 
vulgar is Pantera. Like if somebody said, what does Pantera sound like? I would play them vulgar. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Like I, you know, and I have vulgar on LP and I'm thrilled that I do, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I It's a reissue. But at the same time, it's not like the new reissue. It's like the mid 2000 mid The Rhino reissue, version. The good reissue. The like two the LP yes. heavy duty jacket. Yes. Which... People that weren't getting into the vinyl resurgence when it was happening at the very yeah. beginning, you missed out because I bought all those Pantera reissues from Rhino, yeah. all gatefold jackets, mm -hmm. heavy-duty jackets, two LPs, sounded amazing. They were like $22.99 when they came exactly. out. I think I, paid, I think I paid $19 for it or something yeah. stupid. And at the same time, those are 180 gram. They feel like 800 grand. Yes. Like they are like built like brick shit houses yep. you can't bend them <laughs> yes there's like extra <laughs> wait is it my turn yeah it's yours because yeah, i yeah, said mouth for war yeah you sure did um for me i mean you know if we're if we're gonna go with like the classic bands and and like sort of like the way things changed for me with this band this signaled a ch complete change for them and their sound and they didn't continue with it afterwards which was kind of sad but Van Halen, Unchained. That's side two. No. Yeah, mean I was going to say. Mean Streets. Mean yeah. Sorry. I had to process um, that. I was like, Unchained. Yeah, that's the, yeah. yeah. yeah mean mean Streets, Street. like, kicking off Fair Warning is so dirty. It's so Attitude dirty. at its finest. And when you listen, and, like, it wasn't the most, it certainly was not the most poppy song. And it certainly wasn't the most poppy album, but if Van Halen stayed on that track, oh my God, could you imagine? Like they went from that to Diver Down. I know it's on. It's uh, it's it doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense, like completely zero sense. But going from going from like you know, you you saw this upward trajectory and heaviness just kept increasing, right? So when you get to Women and Children first, you know, and the Cradle Will Rock, great starting song again. Great song to start an album. You know, everybody wants them to follow that. And, you know, Tora Tora, like all these other songs that are like, you knew the heaviness was coming. And then Fair Warning comes out and Mean Streets is that first track. Uh, and it's just dirty, dirty, dirty. And you're like, yeah. And that's why for me, Fair Warning is their best album. I agree. It's Period. my favorite too. Yeah, it's it, the, 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 the fatness and the attitude of that riff and always, like, I, I bring it up on this show all the time, the rhythm section of Michael Anthony and Alex Van Halen, unmatched, and the drumming on Mean Street is is fucking incredible. And, and, and Eddie's playing is amazing. Everybody's great on that track, but I think, obviously, Eddie's always the star of the show. If you're a guitar player and you don't appreciate drumming, next time you listen to that song... Listen to what Alex is playing. It's oh, it's yeah. fucking incredible. It's you know, like at first blush, it's like, oh, well, he's just playing like, you know, double fisted on the hi-hat. Well, there's a lot more than that going yeah. on. There's a lot of inflection going on there and a lot of emphasis, a lot of tons of dynamics yeah. in his playing on that song. And something else that's very, uh, very similar is a uh, Dirty Movies. Yep. From that album. Very similar drumming style uh, on that album. So if you guys and gals aren't giving fair warning, it's due or haven't listened to it in a while, go back, listen to it front to back, and you will not be disappointed. I yep. mean, that album is just so good. I so, agree. You're up. Okay. 
I've got a giant list, and I'm just pulling them at random here. Yeah, so um, do I. I mean, I don't think we're going to get through everything. No, no, wow, we don't need there's to. There's a ton of comments in the chat I'm not even looking at. The Tony Martin era is better <laughs> than the Dio era of Black Sabbath. Tony Martin, wasn't that the Black Sabbath featuring Tony Iommi era? <laughs> no, that was Glenn Hughes. Oh, that was Glenn Hughes. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even Glenn Hughes couldn't get good billing on that record. <laughs> but then he probably heard it and was like, yeah, don't put my name on that yeah, fucking like, thing. I, I'm done. <laughs> um, we talk, we're, we're, Again, we're talking about songs that, that define a record that, that are the opening track. We Still don't we, know who Snowball is. We Die Young is a great one. It is. And I went back and forth on this because, again, this is one where you could have three or four options. ACDC, I went between Hell's Bells because mm. that's a defined, again, signaling a change in the band with Brian Johnson. And, of course, an amazing song kicks off back in black. But when I really thought about it, there's only one answer, and it's Highway to Hell. That is i can't even think of arguing with you on that one it's 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 maybe the most perfect opening track ever it really i would be hard pressed it would be a tie it would be at worst a tie because that track is so powerful and so simple yep which is what makes it so good you know because it's not flashy it's not over the top. It's just right. Yep. And I don't care how many times I've heard it. Every time, it's like Stairway to Heaven. Like ev every time I hear it, I still go, this is fucking amazing. Every yeah. time. You know, it's like that, that's the true sign of a classic. When you, I've probably heard Highway to Hell, you know, a hundred thousand times. And every time, it's still that good. I want to listen to it now. <laughs> Actually, probably right after we're done here. Now I'm going to go grab my highway to hell and just throw it on because now I need to hear it. Um, you know, for some hell's bells would be a great. It's it's great too, but like I said, when you really think about it, there's only one answer, especially when you're talking about ACDC. But hell's bells is fantastic too. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at a list that because I had done this topic at work and, and there's some things that we put on the playlist that are just wacky. Like, like uh, what's the name of the, you? You ain't you think I ain't worth a dollar, but I feel like a millionaire by like Queens of the Stone Age. Like that's 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 interesting um, for me, though. I'm not going with that one. Uh, my next pick is a Metallica song. Um, and I am going to go with fight fire with fire. Yes from ride the lightning um that song it's it, it was like the first of like the heavy metal like oops you know gotcha you know kind of songs because it was like that semi-classical guitar -y intro with multi-layered acoustic guitar over it and then it goes to this like 240 beat per minute thing and it was like when lars could actually almost play almost almost kind of um and but it really does set the tone for the album and then from there it just gets darker because you know that's just all in your face 
I mean, I could also have gone with battery. Battery is to me, if I was picking a Metallica track, it'd be battery. But I love Ride the Lightning's my favorite Metallica record. So yeah. Fight Fire with Fire is great. Yeah, it was it was tough. It was either that or battery. And but the thing is, for me, and I'm, this will go on the uh, end in the end next week. Like Damage Incorporated blows away battery. So you know, whereas like you know. You know, a call of Cthulhu doesn't. That really, certainly doesn't blow anything away. No, it doesn't. It blows. Yeah. Um. So sort of like Orion. Yeah. No, <laughs> Orion's actually okay. Um. But I'll tell you, fight fire with fire for that reason trumps battery for me. And you know, I you know the tone of that album, like puppets, is a little. I mean, it's got a great guitar tone. It's that first like scooped mid guitar tone where they really just drop the mids out of it, and it's all just high-end and low-end, that Mesa Boogie sound, right, um, that they got from using those Coliseum heads or whatever they were using at the time, like some craziness. And then, but prior to that, you know, like they were using Marshalls, and you get that Marshall mid-range, like they were cranking the mid-range on Fire, Fire with Fire, so it's just dirtier, raw, you know, Headfield was getting tighter, but he wasn't quite there yet with the rhythm. So, whereas on battery, he was like so tight, you, you could play, you could see he played with a metronome for like a year and a half straight. So I, again, fight fire with fire. That's why I went with that one. Great one. Great pick. Um, let me go. I'll go classic rock and I'm going to go with this. Another band that you could, there's, there's a few options, but I went with Brown sugar by the stones. Sticky You're a racist. Fingers. You're a yeah, racist. I know. I know I was worried about saying that, but it is a great opening track. Look, it is. And look, we're in cancel culture now, and it's a shame because the song's a song, man. You know, it it is what it is. And it's a great tune. I agree. That's it. You're done. What else should I say about it? I don't know. I mean, it opens Sticky Fingers, which is arguably the best Stones record. So (laughs) fine by me. You know, I don't. What what would be a good second then? Would it be Her Majesty's Satanic Service? uh, Satanic. Majesty, her, her Majesty's their, their second best record, probably yeah. Exile, on Main Street. Yeah, or or my favorite, my my other favorite Stones record is Some Girls, which opens with Miss You. I don't. Know, I might go with Let It Bleed. I love that one too. There, I mean, they're one of those bands. They have like ten great records. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 hard to say this one, you know, defiantly. Beggars Banquet's great too. Yeah, but they do have a bunch of good songs. <laughs> the understatement of the century the rolling stones have a bunch of good songs well what about and i had i, I mean i can't do this without doing a rush album right uh i you know as far as opening songs spirit of the radio yeah radio like you have to go with spirit of radio yep. i mean tom sawyer's great of course and 2112 would be great but it's a whole album side and you know uh farewell to kings is cool it's my favorite rush album but the song isn't the best first song, you know. Spirit of Radio, that defines that entire album, one hundred percent. Because there's like eight genres of music in the one song, you yeah. know. Yeah. There's like synth, new wave. There's rock, reggae. There's reggae. There's metal. There's everything in that one song. So, you know, and pop for that matter because i mean let's be honest that song is a pop song yep um just because it does cover so much ground so that for me spirit of radio from permanent waves 
that would be hands down as far as Rush goes, the best opening track for a Rush album. That's maybe my favorite Rush song too, which I know is hard to say because there's so many great ones, but there's something about that song. Again, just like I was saying about Highway to Hell, where it's just like I I fucking love that song. <laughs> um I'm looking at this list trying to figure out where I'm gonna pull. Okay. Iron Maiden. I went with Where Eagles Dare. Oh, I thought you were going to go with the song of Virtual Exile. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, uh, Future Real. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that one. What no. is real? Future Real. Go Blaze Bailey. Yeah, go somewhere else. I'm sorry, no, which was your picking and I already where, forgot. <laughs> where Eagles Dare, which is, again, Iron Maiden's another one where it's like you could go so many, you know, Ides of March into Wrathchild. They're basically one track. So Ace is uh, high. Ace is high. I mean, yeah. there's so many great ones. Uh, even off the first record, Prowler. Yeah, you can't go with Invaders. No, unfortunately, but no, it's not but that good. the the first the run of their first five six records, even somewhere in time, caught somewhere in time is a great one too. Mm. Uh, but yeah, Where Eagles Dare for me. The drum fill, the the introduction to Nico McBrain joining Iron Maiden is that drum fill that nobody can play right but him which is done with a single pedal, not a double pedal. Nobody can do it but him on a single. Nico's nope. so crazy. He's so great. With that, with that one foot. Yep. Dude's like 106 years old. He's like... And he looked 106 then. Like, yeah. if there's footage looked of him... 106 for the past 106 years. <laughs> there's footage of him playing with Pat Travers in, like, 1974. Like, he, he had a career. He didn't even get in Maiden until 83. Like, he had right, a career a for a decade before. We, we we need to talk about this. Like, Patrick's bringing up Wicker Man. Like, That's no. a great one, too. That's no, a great one, not. too. No, yes, it is, it is not. Oh, come on. You're both wrong. What's wrong with that one? It sucks. No, it doesn't. You're it just does. being an elitist No Prayer dick. for the Dying sucks. That's um, not a No Prayer for the Dying. It's a Brave it New World. Oh, even worse. Even better, No Prayer for the Dying does suck. Holy smoke, yo. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> Jesus. No, Jesus wouldn't even like that one. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go What is different... the opening track on No Prayer for the Dying? It might be Holy Smoke, actually. No. Um, no well, be Quick see. or Be Dead? No, that's on Fear of the Dark. For the Dying. My computer's going to explode. Bring uh, your daughter to the slaughter, maybe? No, Tail Gunner. Tail Gunner, Tail Gunner. yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. recycled. Not yeah. good. Moonchild from Seven Sons, a great one, too. Uh, it's better than Caught Somewhere in Time. Yes, it is. But that's not hard. Um, so, <laughs> see, Patrick came in with the with the answer. He was right. Thank you. Um, you know, there's so many bad Iron Maiden albums, too. Like, anything after... Seventh Son, I start, I like, I just tuned out. Yeah. Like, I really just tuned out. Except and Brave New World, which is a great record. I don't like it. You're, I think you're I don't just care. being snobby. I saw them on No Prayer for the Dying twice, I think. And I don't even remember the songs on that album. Or was it Fear of the Dark? No, no, no. It was No Prayer for the Dying, Fear of the Dark, Brave New World, and then Blaze Dance of Death. No, no, you're way off. You're going Wait, way what, out of what fucking am I order doing? here. Okay, oh, it's it, No Prayer for the Dying. Yes. Fear of the Dark. Yes. Bruce Leaves. Yes. Then, then X Factor. X Factor. Then Virtual, Virtual Level. XI. Then Brave New World. Oh, okay. Brave New World is the reunion record with Bruce. That's what I'm saying. I think you're. I think you're nuts. That's a great fucking album. I've had more than one beer. 
Yeah, there you go. Pat, I agree with you. I think Wicker Man's a great opening track. Both you and Patrick need to get together and go out and have a dinner and date. We could, because Pat's a great customer, so I see him often. Yeah, that's right. So you're only nice to him because he gives you money, I see. Him. No, I'm, I do agree with him that Wicker Man is a great track. But otherwise, he gives you money. He does. <laughs> All right, go ahead. It's your turn. Is it really? Yes. Are, already? All right, so I'm going in a different direction this time. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going classic rock. And I'm going with Funk 49 by the James Gang great one because i mean it's a great tune and it's probably the only song off the album that people probably know and uh it's just great i mean it's just a killer tune it's a lot of fun um as a guitarist it's fun to play it really is it's one of those songs that you kind of have to learn to make you sound like you know how to play guitar (laughs) right you know so for me it's like yeah funk 49 by james gang and joe walsh is just such a great guitar player really underrated in so many ways and uh they're doing a a one time or the farewell reunion show for the james gang and went on sale today and i guess dave grohl's going to be drumming for half of it One hundred fifty thousand dollars per ticket is that how much it is i don't know i didn't even know it went on sale all right yeah let's look this up and it's in columbus it's at nationwide arena i'm not going to ohio i'll meet you there you know who else is on the bill Nine Inch Nails. What? The Black Keys. And then somebody else. Uh, there's somebody else. But it's it's all to benefit um, Army Vets. Oh, okay. Well, that's fair. Uh, let's see. November 13th. But Dave Grohl. happening now. Dave Grohl drumming for the James Gang. I mean, that's something not to miss. <laughs> oh, my God. Official platinum tickets are 300. Start at $329 each. That's not too bad, actually. 329 like well, what are these though that one thousand three hundred fifty four dollars well that's sixteen hundred dollars that's your dynamic pricing in play 22 fuck that <laughs> fuck them fuck Ticketmaster. fuck dynamic pricing fuck Dave fuck Grohl. 49 fuck 49 that's the new name of the uh, of the song Fuck 49 because you know what, man, this is just going to make me really angry and go on another rant again because this is absolute bullshit because you know what? The dynamic pricing that will not benefit the veterans. No, that's bullshit. Yep. It, that is bullshit. I didn't even look. I didn't realize. I, I didn't realize until we start talking about the James gang that and it it's even pre-sale. went on sale. It's not yeah. even like the full sale yet. And they're going for $2,200 up to $2,200. Bruce Springsteen tickets would be like, oh, well, I should have bought those. They're cheaper. But, you know, like, uh, give me a break. <laughs> give me a break. That's so wrong. That's so wrong. If I want to watch Dave Grohl, I'll wait till he joins Queens of the Stone Age again. Right. He's going to have a lot of time on his hands because I really don't see the Foo Fighters doing anything else. I don't know. It's it's those are. I mean, those are giant shoes to fill. I mean, it's it is. But it's, they're um, not. They're not. All right, they're not. For Dave, it's far more personal. Right. That's what I mean. It's hard. You can't just put somebody in that position. Yeah. For the so, fans, music. it's not like it's not like if if like somebody came in and said like, well, somebody else is playing in place of Taylor Hawkins, and fans are going, no, I'm not going. It's not the Foo Fighters. Right. You know. But for Dave, it might be. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I think Taylor is most people 
they can spot Taylor Hawkins and they can spot Dave Grohl. Nobody's like, oh yeah, Nate Mendel. You know, like But th- Nate Mendel was one of the first members I of the know, Foo Fighters. I know this, but Taylor Hawkins is they they were like Paul and Gene. Of they didn't form the band, but like visually, it's the two of those guys. Whether that's how Dave made it or not is still it's like I don't Dave think Dave made could, it that way. You Dave can't push it that direction. Right, but you can't just take some great drummer and put him in the spot of Taylor Hawkins and everybody's just okay with it. It wouldn't be just any drummer, but the thing is like he's replaceable. And I hate to say that like that. He is replaceable. He didn't play impossible drum parts. No. There, it's not like there aren't other drummers that have vibe like he did. It's not like if Rush tried to tour without Neil. Yeah. You know, which there's probably like three people that could fill those shoes somewhat okay. And two of them are Bozio and freaking Portnoy. Yeah. And nobody would want either one of them to do it. I don't think they would want to do it. I don't think they would want to do it either. You know, and the third is some guy in a Rush tribute band. Yeah, right. Some guy that plays in his basement. That's good enough. But there's like 9,000 Foo Fighter cover bands and they all can play the same parts. I'm not taking anything away from Taylor as a personality. I'm not. It's, It's not like that at all. He had a specific personality in that band. You know, but as far as musicianship, there are lots of other drummers that could play like Taylor Hawkins. Well, let's be honest. Dave's right in those parts because he he's is. that because he's that yes. great, too. So, yes. it, yeah, I mean, can somebody do it? Yes. But I think you hit the nail on the head when you say, does Dave want to be yes. does Dave want to have the Foo Fighters without Taylor Hawkins? I think that's the larger question. I don't, to I don't ask. think he does. I don't think he does. right now. I don't think he does. I think two years from now he would. Mm-hmm. But right now. I think it's sort of a too soon thing. Um, well, look, maybe I that's why he's going I, to I drum even, for James Gang. Yeah, because he's got to do other things, you know, and like I had tickets to see them next month or this month, I should mm-hmm. say, you know, which nicely I got refunded, which is, you know, admirable of Ticketmaster. Give me all my money back. Thank you. Um, I put that down payment towards a Bruce Springsteen ticket. <laughs> and what I need to do is sell my car. I got tickets to three Springsteen shows. And how much did you pay? $18 billion? <laughs> no, but here we got to give a shout out because this is, you're going to find this unbelievable, Mike. Gall McCartney. I already my, don't believe it. <laughs> Gall McCartney and myself, of course, were registered to try and get tickets to, you know, multiple shows. Gall McCartney got in and got tickets to Buffalo, New York in the pit. For face value. I don't know how he got this lucky because by the time I got in to the ticket uh, through the tick queue in Columbus, in Columbus, Ohio. Remember, he got pit tickets for a city in New York. In Columbus, Ohio, I was already dumped to where I had to get tickets behind the fucking stage. And Gall McCartney got pit tickets at face value. You say New York. All right. Like Buffalo is in the Big Apple. No, well, I'm just it's saying, not. <laughs> if you think Bruce Springsteen isn't in higher demand in any city in New York, you're out of your fucking mind. More so than Columbus, Ohio. Have you been to Buffalo? No. All right. When you go, you'll understand. <laughs> because Buffalo is to New York what, like, hmm, I'm trying to think, what Flint is to Michigan. It's oh, it's like that. Yeah, they have bad drinking water due to bad political deals. 
not that, but it's like it's like an armpit in a lot of ways. So, you know. well, ladies and gentlemen, we should let you know that Mike Venezia is from Long Island. So, and I didn't say Long Island was great either. No, but, but I'm just saying, you know, you're from Long Island. So, yeah. Therefore, my my, my opinions on everything are skewed. Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Whose turn is it? I, I we got off remember. on like four other you i think you picked james gang funk 49 that's what yeah. got us going fuck 49 <laughs> fuck 49 all right how about <laughs> how about message in a bottle the police how about it how about it that's a great song and it's a great album yes so yes it's it's a i yeah defend it I, oh, I love it. I think it, it it sets up, again, just like we were talking about Pantera from Cowboys to Vulgar, uh, the police from the first one that I can never say to the next one I can never say, Regatta de Blanc. Right? Did I get that right? Regatta, yeah. De Blanc? The de first Blanc. one I can Blanc. never say, though. Outlandos. Outlandos de Moore. Whatever. Okay, from that record to Regatta. Just read the words. Shut the fuck up. Oh Message in a bottle is the police coming into themselves because because the first record still has the punky edge to it. The first one does, especially with songs like Peanuts and things like that. It was next uh, to you. Next to you. Next to you is a great tune. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Next to you is a great tune. Um, in fact, that first album and. Oh. Synchronicity are probably my two favorite police albums, except for Mother. Yeah, right. Of course, we need the original to... inspiration for this song sucks, which is coming up shortly. Yes. Um, speaking of songs that don't suck, which we weren't talking about, uh, but um, this song does not suck. But it is one of the greatest songs to start an album. We were talking about the Foo Fighters. Let's go to the first Foo Fighters album. And go with this is a call. Yes. That song, when I first heard it, when I heard Dave Grohl put together this thing called the Foo Fighters, because it wasn't a band. It was a project. And he put this thing together. And I heard on the radio, I heard this is a call. I was sold. Immediately. That song, to me, is everything that the Foo Fighters is. Yep. Everything that the Foo Fighters is. It's fun. It's poppy. It leaves you feeling good. It's got that, you know, like double time thing, at, you know, in the, in the, in the chorus, uh, right after the chorus and the, at the end of the song. It's awesome. And it's Dave playing drums on the whole thing and guitar on the whole thing for that yes. matter and bass on the whole thing and singing on the whole thing. Because uh, I think he played everything on that album except for two solos. That sounds which, right. Which I think Greg Dully did like one of the solos or something like that um, from uh, uh, what was uh, the, 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 the Afghan wigs. Um, anyway. It's definitely so, yeah. Gall McCartney just pointed out it's better than Nirvana for sure. Um, I mean, it's proven to be. It's French. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, this is a call by the Foo Fighters from the from. Foo Fighters, not the Foo Fighters, from Foo Fighters, from the first Foo Fighters album, is incredible. I, I really, when, when you think about it now and you listen to everything that they've done since, with the exception of Minutes After Midnight, 
because that's a very that's kind of a departure you mm-hmm. know that, that that's a bit of a departure for them um but that's being a little more experimental and if you've been doing something for 25 years you kind of want to branch out a bit i would imagine um but when this is a call came out again it was it's just sold me it's a great rock tune it's fun to listen to it makes you feel good and dave did a great job writing that song yes good call how many more you want to do yeah, two two more two more each two more each okay because then we gotta um, get to the, the other stuff yes great opening track to what's always been known as their kind of most popular record and also the opening track on their fantastic live album thin lizzy jailbreak <laughs> how could you deny that song? yes you can't you can't you can't you can't i mean that song is just so classic even it was in the middle of the album at the end of the album on somebody else's album it didn't matter (laughs) that song is such a great tune it's such a great rock and roll song yep that you just cannot deny it so yeah and it kicks that record off that record keeps that pace throughout so it's 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 a it's a great representation of thin lizzy in that face which speaking of which vinyl me please i don't know if you know about this mike their record of the month uh, for their classic series this month is Thin Lizzy Jailbreak. Oh, nice. Gatefold jacket on on silver foil stamped. It looks amazing. Ooh. Orange vinyl with, with the master cut by Kevin Gray from the original tapes. Wow. Buy it now. It's going to be $150 very soon. Buy it now. It right I, now? Uh, right I think now? 35 plus right, shipping. I'll buy, I'll buy two. Yes. I can't wait for it to get here. I ordered it yesterday. Hey, speaking of like really cool albums that are being put out by boutique people, when are all those Van Halen albums coming out by MoFi? They said, um, I think they said the first one would be out before the end of the year. But I think, you know, the way they, those guys do one steps, I would think to get through the whole catalog, it's probably going to take three years. It's going to take a while. I mean, they've been talking about it for about a year. About a year. And but, then the whole Michael Jackson thriller thing, too. That'll probably come out first. Yep. I think that's supposed to come out this fall. But they started talking about that after they announced the Van Halen stuff. Yes. Yeah, but that's how it goes. It, it, yeah. it, for those that are in the know that you get you get the uh, music direct catalog, that's usually the first time you see the MoFi titles that they haven't talked about yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that always comes in the fall of the year and then usually about a year out is when you start seeing the titles that were advertised in that catalog so i would think we're going to see van halen one before the end of the year would be my guess because they're still in the middle of doing um the eagles and the only and the only one yes because the only ones that have dropped so far the self-titled and desperado yeah and that was over a year ago already so yeah they're doing second runs of those uh, from what I remember, from, I, I I think I read that right. Well, they only press in certain quantities, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. especially with the one steps, I think they do two thousand at a time. So that's why they always urge people until they put on their website that it's sold out. Don't pay the flipper prices. Yeah. Well, there you go. I'm not paying flipper prices. For those saying that they got to have that thin Lizzie, I'll have them in the store as, probably as, next week. As Walter White said, I am the one who flips. <laughs> no, I'm not flipping. I'm not flipping. I'm getting I'm them. I'm, I'm getting them and either. selling them at tag price. Yeah, which you know is like double what normal tag price. Is. 
Yeah, you're right. not doing that. I know you're not. <laughs> Listen, where's my kiss, the originals? You're not getting it. Uh, I have a sealed copy of The Elder to trade you for it. <laughs> you know, if I was crazy, that would be a good trade. I'll trade you that and a sealed copy of Asylum. I I have Bruce Kulick's old copy of Asylum. All right. Well, in shrink with a hype sticker. That's not mine. Yeah, the guy and who played days, on it's better. These days, I'm worth more than Bruce, Bruce Kulick. I don't think so. All right. Well, I think so. All right. Continuing on. Uh, we got, I got two and you got one more. So yep. I am going to go with come together by the Beatles from Abbey road, because come on, it's a great one. Beatles were another hard one to pick it. Yeah. Well, all right. So yes and no, because if you look at, it depends on what era of the Beatles are we talking about. If you're talking about like rubber soul and revolver and all that afterwards, it becomes far easier. I mean, uh, uh, far clearer as to the what the first song was. But if mm. you look at everything like, you know, Beatles 65 and like all the, you know, if you, you had like the US release and the UK release and they weren't always the same. No. And so even Rubber bit, Soul, like yeah. Rubber Soul for me, that's what I picked was Drive My Car from Rubber Soul. Yeah. But that well, wasn't the first track on every release of Rubber Soul. No, on so. the U.S. version, and it's uh, I've just seen a face. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that makes it more difficult. So like Revolver and Thereafter is 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 a little bit clearer because like those albums were just albums. But anything prior to that was a really a mess because it really depended on what Capital in the U.S. was doing, what Parlophone was doing in the U.K. just all different releases and like they weren't calling them the same album names in either nation. So, you know, there was a lot of mess going on there for sure. But as far as Abbey road, it was Abbey road and come together was the first song on both versions of the UK and the U S release. And I'm going with that one. Great one. Okay. What am I going to close with? Okay. And Mike, even though you're not a fan, I think this is arguably the most important song of all time. And it opens the record. So for my last pick, I'm going oh, to pick. No. Oh, no. Well, no. I'm going to pick. No, like, no, no, no. I don't, don't say a word. It's something Bruce Springsteen. No, it's not. Oh, okay. Although I did have a Springsteen pick on here, but no. Okay. It's like a Rolling Stone, Bob Dylan. Opens open, opens Highway 65 revisited. No, Highway 61 revisited. Came out in 65. What is that from? I don't know. I just found it on the internet, man. That's Robert Plant. So <laughs> I took that from Dazed and Confused Live. <laughs> Fantastic. But this, I mean, come on. <laughs> it's so obnoxious. I can't wait to get everything working. <laughs> what's happening, hey, baby? What's, what's, up, what's, up, what's happening, hey, baby? Fuck you! It's so much fun. Oh, it's great. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll, who, what'd you pick again? 
<laughs> like a Rolling Stone, Bob Dylan. Okay, that I, I I'll somewhat uh, I'll somewhat give you. It's a great track. Hey, somebody's asking me. Somebody's texting me right now. Hey, when when you when does your show start? <laughs> like, Hour and well, a half ago. Yeah, like where where, where you been, yo? <laughs> let me let me text this person. Hang on, because we're live now, right? Are we still live? I think so. Oh, okay. Let me let me figure this one out. Let's see my channel. Let's see one. Wa- There's only one person watching. All right, share, copy link, and then we're gonna. If anybody's listening to this after the fact is gonna be like, "What the hell is Mike doing?" Um, there we go. All right, now they have it. Good for them. All right, what's your last one? Uh, I don't know. I went with the uh, the theme from Spider Man. No. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I went with, uh, you know, I, there's so many others that I could pick, you know, if we look at beggars banquet, you could do sympathy for the devil. If you, you know, like you pick round brown sugar, I, uh, you know, I was thinking can't buy a thrill, do it again, Stevie, Steely Dan, but I stole your love from love gun, yep. you know, but, and I'm surprised you didn't pick Detroit rock city. I had it on my list. I just didn't say it. Well, we'll just call it a uh, what's that uh, uh, honorable honorable mention. mention. Yeah, um, I went with something a little bit different. I'm picking something a little bit different. I'm picking Airbag by Radiohead from OK Computer. Yes, because when you think about songs that define an album, that kind of set you up for the, what the rest of that album is, Airbag does that. Yep, in Spades. You know, it's that sort of atmospheric, almost space rocky kind of thing. You know, an OK Computer. I mean, that album to me is a bulletproof Radiohead album. I mean, that, that album, every single song on that album is amazing. The, for lack of a better term, the orchestration is amazing on that album. It's their the best song, record, without it a really doubt. Is. You know, and even something like the uh, little um, uh, uh, Paranoid Android. Like that was three different songs that they took parts of and made one cohesive unit out of it, which is amazing, you know. Yeah. So you know that that is their the pinnacle of their existence in my mind is is okay okay computer, and airbag really is that atmospheric opening to it, which you know that that guitar riff that opens the album too, mm. it's it sounds like it's about to fall off the rails, you know. It, it sounds like it's loose and that's what makes it so good because it, it's, it's just, it's teetering on the edge of insanity and it just kind of, it, it keeps you there and it keeps you on the edge of your seat. And then it goes into that whole like smooth, comfortable thing that the middle of the song is, but they keep revisiting that riff, which is what makes it awesome too. Yes. So, Great uh, pick. I, yeah. I, I really dig that song. I love that album. Quick story about that album. I, when I got my first job in California, when I was working in artist management, um, actually, I, I got hired for a completely different job by a completely different company, but I wound up being in artist management. And I was moving out to California. It was January of 28, uh, I'm sorry, uh, January of 1998. And earlier that summer in 97 is when OK Computer came out. And I had heard like, you know, Karma Police or something on MTV or something like that. But then I bought that album for the ride. And I listened to that album like eight times driving from New York to California. 
and it was worth every minute I listened to that album. It was so good. And then about six months after I got there, they played at Universal Amphitheater, which is no longer a thing. I think it's a Harry Potter ride or something like that now. <laughs> something weird. Anyway, uh, so Universal Amphitheater, and uh, which is like a 6,000-seat arena in L.A., which is uh, was on Universal City Walk. You go backstage after the show. And again, this is 98. Air, uh, uh, Radiohead was the it band at the time. So backstage, I bumped into Anthony Kiedis, Brad Pitt, like all these. Yeah, like a bunch of Hollywood superstars <laughs> backstage at this show. And it was really wacky. <laughs> but <laughs> who I didn't run into was the band. Yeah, right. They were out of there. <laughs> they were like, screw this. We're gone. <laughs> yeah, can't blame them. Nope, not at all. Not a, not at all. So. Let's do let's do one honorable mention each. Sure. Okay. Mine, which I can't I didn't pick this because I thought for sure you were gonna say it. Angel of Death. Slayer. Somebody had to say it. Rain I was blood. hoping you would. Rain and Blood, kicking off with Angel of Death. I, what I, you can't say? There's nothing even to say about it. If you if you don't know, you should. If you don't know, you don't know. I'm yeah. surprised you didn't pick any Deep Purple like Highway Star or something. I had that on the list too, but I did have a Slayer song on my list. It wasn't Angel of Death though. Was it South of Heaven? Yes, it was. Which is fucking great too. Yep. Yep. Um, but as far as as far as um, I had jailbreak on the list too. You picked that earlier. Uh, and I talked about that already, but let's see what direction should I go? And I have so many on this list. I know this was a good one because yeah. I, I was firing them off. There's so many, so many tiny dancer. Mark Garney just said, that's a fantastic. Yes. Pick. Yes. Good choice. Mark. Yep. Um, th there are so many, and we had so many submitted to us that, that really fit the bill too. By the way, I do have to apologize before I announce my, my last pick here. I have to apologize for not putting together the playlist from our last episode because I was going to do it on the flight <laughs> when I was heading <laughs> east and then all hell broke loose. So again, I apologize. I will, I promise you, I will get everything from the discovered list on a playlist i promise you uh with the original and the cover i promise um it's just taking time because of just you know <laughs> life um let's see where should i go with this man it's so hard um so <laughs> i'm looking at the list of that we did at work and somebody picked sucker by the jonas brothers <laughs> <laughs> like no i'm not I'll, familiar but there's no way it's as good as the songs we've mentioned no but i will pick one that is okay and i'm gonna go with the beach boys this was and gonna I, be my honorable mention so go ahead but you beat me you i beat you because you picked slayer um <laughs> and what naturally when you think of slayer you think of the beach boys of so. course who doesn't uh, but I'm going to go with Pet Sounds, the album Pet Sounds. We're going to go with Wouldn't It Be Nice. Absolutely. Because that song is, never mind a classic in and of itself, but as far as defining a sound of an album, that's it right there. Yep. And, you know, just that big wall-esque of sound that the Wrecking Crew provided, 
you know, it, it's and those of you that don't know what the Wrecking Crew is, if you didn't know, the Beach Boys didn't play most of their stuff on their yeah, albums. Right. You know, they did sometimes. They sang everything. Yes. But as far as the instrumentation, a lot of that in the 60s was done by the Wrecking Crew. And the Wrecking Crew was this group of musicians, studio musicians that played on probably about a thousand albums, mm-hmm. if not more collectively and usually so, you know it's them pretty immediately yeah you know it right away like phil specter used them all the time yep why because these were guys that would come in guys and gals that would come in and you have to say guys and gals because of carol, carol. k yeah. carol k amazing bass player that bass that that bass line on money that you love you know from the song the, the song money 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 yeah money. bam the duty yeah. Bam, That's bam, her. Bam. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, so the Wrecking Crew was absolutely amazing. They played on a lot of the Beach Boys albums in the 60s. But either way, Brian Wilson is the one who wrote and arranged everything. And yep. that song definitely kicked off Pet Sounds in a way that really defined what was to come with every every subsequent track. Yep. And if there's ever been any denying, because I know some people write the Beach Boys off is just poppy surf bullshit if there's ever been any denying at how amazingly talented those guys were with their vocals oh yeah there is a box set of the pet sound sessions that has a a disc of the entire album with just the vocals just acapella yes and i urge you to listen to the vocal tracks from wouldn't it be nice it is it's it's hair raising it could have been just that which like you're saying the wrecking crew performance makes the makes the song but the vocals are are they're from another planet it's uh, it's unbelievable yeah i I mean instrumentation aside you're right like the vote we're talking about a time with no auto-tune yeah you know that didn't exist so we're, we're talking about a time where you had to get it right and you had to do it either over and over and over again or you just nailed it because you practiced it yeah you know and you were that good you were that good. So um, it just proves how talented they were as vocalists at the worst. Yep. But at the best, as far as songwriters, Brian Wilson was just head and shoulders above so many other people because, you know, this wasn't like a Lieber Stoller thing. You know, this was just one guy who had a vision and was nuts. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's it. There you go. All right. Cool. We're done with that, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to move on to our last two segments. And our last two segments are Discovered and This Song Sucks. Now, I've already picked my This Song Sucks, but I did not pick a cover yet. So I'm going to pick that as you As I'm doing mine? As you're talking about yours, yes. Okay, so my Discovered pick of the week. uh, Great band out of, I believe, Sweden. Uh, called Glucifer. I thought you were going to say ABBA. No. <laughs> I do. I mean, you can get to. Mark Garney also bought ABBA Gold when he bought oh, nice. those other records. Okay. Yeah. Look, you'd be hard pressed to find a better greatest hits album. Yep. Every yep. song on that is, well, gold. It is. It sold a lot of copies. Anyways, Glucifer, same vein as the helicopters, backyard babies, just straightforward rock and roll. Amazing cover of Thunder and Lightning by Thin Lizzy. An often overlooked Thin Lizzy track from their last album called Thunder and Lightning. They do a ripping cover of it, and uh, 
I heard it this week, and I, I hadn't heard it in a very long time, so I picked that one. Nice. Well, I picked one right away. The minute I said I'm going to think about it, I thought about it. Uh, and as much as I love the Beatles, and I love the Beatles, and there's been so many cover songs done of Beatles tunes, um, this one, in my mind, head and shoulders above every other cover tune that's been done of a Beatles song, Joe Cocker did with a little help from my friends and that song his version of it i think is so much better than like ringo's rinky dink look i don't want to call it rinky dink all right i i I can't that would be doing it it's playful it's playful it's fun and it really doesn't fit with anything else on sergeant pepper (laughs) when you think about it yeah you know it kind of doesn't yeah every song on that album is very different but that one's so different and people liked it and it was a pop hit and, and what have you. But Joe Cocker's version is emotional. It's in a, like a minor key. And for those of you that don't know this, Jimmy page played guitar on that version. Yep. So all those, you know, single note line solos in the beginning, that's all Jimmy page, you know, like uh, the, all the guitars on that song. Cause he was a session musician before Led Zeppelin, before the Yardbirds, before any yep. of that. Yep. So for me, that destroys the Beatles version. It, it It's a great example of, again, taking a song that's done one way and turning it on its head because completely you realize, like you said, it's sang with such emotion. Yeah. And the lyrics are the same, but the lyrics mean a lot more in the Joe Cocker version than they do in the Ringo version. Yeah. A hundred percent. Or the Beatles it version. Sounds like, it sounds like Joe Cocker means it. Yeah. You know, and, and then so the background much, vocals, those gospel-esque background vocals in that song, absolutely. So much so that he had to flail all around the stage while he was singing it. What would you do if I sang out a tune? Mike, here's something. like As somebody that worked in the industry and worked as like artist management and AR and stuff, I can't imagine what they thought when they saw that guy. First off, he's a weird-looking dude, and then he moves like that on stage. Somebody had to be like, there's no way this guy's selling any records. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're selling out shows every night, <laughs> yeah, that's right, what matter, right. you know? And the dude had a voice that was incomparable. Right. You know, I mean, if you look further down the career, what Joe Cocker did, even then, like, some of it was kind of pedestrian, but even if you look at it later in his career with like when the night comes and like some of the other singles that he did, you know, and even when he did like uh, uh, the, the the song from uh, Officer and a Gentleman, Love Lifts Us Up Where We Belong, you know, yeah. whatever, you know, uh, obviously his voice was accessible for a lot of people. It had a it had a motion to it that you could not reproduce in anybody else. Yeah, he was super unique. So you got to give Joe Cocker a lot of credit. Yes, it was weird seeing him like doing this whole thing, you know, but at the same time, there are some people that just when they're on stage, they're completely different person. It's not like he got off stage was like, yes, I'm Joe Cocker. Hello. You know, (laughs) he just didn't do that. He was feeling it, man. He he was feeling it. He was in the moment. And John Belushi did the best Joe Cocker impression. It's my favorite ever, ever, (laughs) ever. He did Joe Cocker better than Joe Cocker remember when they did the one where, where they were together singing <laughs> and he was right next to they're wearing the same clothes and everything oh it's so good and you know what you got to give joe cocker credit for being part of that skit right. you know for being able to laugh at himself like yeah. that 
You got to give somebody credit for that. You think that somebody would like? You think Steven Tyler would get up there with somebody like swinging on it with a with a microphone set with a bunch of handkerchiefs off, and he'd be like, "Oh yeah, it's great. I love it." Right. Well, like Axl Rose would be up there with somebody else doing a serpentine sort no, of thing. No, he would have never no. been about it. Even uh, fuck you. You know that that would have been the reaction. He he totally would have been all about that. He would have been totally fuck like you. That's totally what he would have said. You know, and, and then after that, he went. Ah! <laughs> oh, it's so good. It is so good. Uh, so now let's fast forward. Oh, you don't need to fast forward. It's the next segment. It's the last segment. The last segment called This Song Sucks. Ah! Fuck you. <laughs> and so I am going to go first because I already know mine. And we talked about The Elder earlier and how questionable of an album it is. <laughs> and Kiss has made this list so many times. But it's easy because Kiss, for every great song they have, they have four really bad <laughs> songs. It's just amazing. And if you put out that many albums, you should have bad songs, but not at a four to one ratio. <laughs> I'm sorry. So I went with A World Without Heroes from the Oh, Elder. no, that's one yes. of the best songs that's- from that record. That's saying like it's the best piece of shitty laundry you need. You could have said, I thought you were for sure going to say just a boy. Just a boy's really bad. <laughs> it's way but, worse than World Without Heroes. But maybe, but here's the reason why I picked a World Without Heroes because that was touted as like the single. Yeah. And it's awful. It's not it's a good thing. It's so bad. It's so bad. Like I and the Oath. And and Dark Light, all of those I would pick well over A World Without Heroes as the single. Yeah, that's bizarre. It's terrible. So, therefore, this song sucks completely. Well, and it's funny because the only real um, promotional thing that Kiss did for that record was when they played on Fridays. And they play the oath, oh, and so they bad. and they play I. They don't play World Without Heroes. Wasn't which what's is, his name on that? Um, uh, Michael uh, that Michael Richards. Played, yeah, Michael Richards. He was on yeah. Fridays. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That was supposed to be the answer to Saturday Night Live, but a day early. Yeah, and all they got was Kiss doing the oath, Shut which is up! which is pretty great. But sorry, I had to yell at Roger. There he is. There he is. Roger. Okay, so my song. This week for this song sucks. Hang on, Nick. Before you go, this is Gene Simmons. Listen, I need to really explain myself. And the concept behind The Elder was to really be a cinematic album. Thank God nobody made a movie of that. We were going to make a movie of The Elder. And it was a concept album. And I was going to play a starring role. But then the assholes in Hollywood decided it that i would be, be better su- that i would be better suited to make my film debut in runaway with tom Selleck. instead i wound up in an intro on your shitty podcast in one of my roles podcast with a k paul <laughs> mccartney says the oath rules he's right i didn't criticize the oath I, i'm i'm all about the oath that's what was like, Pat Middlestat saying? Wow, really? To uh, probably uh, your choice on uh, on co- uh, discovered, maybe. 
I think that's what it was. Okay. But anyway, what song sucks? Okay, so I went with a band that I know a lot of people say they hate. Shut up! Which always surprises me because I think they're like stitched into American culture. I think some of it is because of a movie. But I went with a song by the Eagles. And the reason I went with this song, does Roger like the Eagles? Uh, Roger, do you like the Eagles? <laughs> <laughs> that couldn't he, have went any better. No, it could not. He, he uh, Do you like the Eagles? No, he does not. Okay. <laughs> I got to put him down. Right. So right. the Eagles, of course, a lot of amazing songs, a lot of so-so songs. But there's one song in particular in my mind that sticks out as a terrible Eagle song. I'll bring it. And that was their reunion track, Get Over It. I don't mind that song. Get Over It is terrible. Get over it. <laughs> yeah. You need to you need to get over it. <laughs> I wasn't on it. So Yeah, I first off here's what kills me most people may not remember that the eagles that was like the first giant reunion for like huge money right <laughs> look at mark on his reaction <laughs> no it was like no. the first big reunion tour the hell freezes over tour right yes exactly and they take Don Henley and Glenn Fry, who are, are both fantastic songwriters, as is Joe Walsh, as is uh, Don Felder. The, and they put these guys in a room, and you could tell that they literally took 15 minutes to put this fucking song together. Well, it was it's probably all Don Henley. There was probably a, no input from anybody else. It's a Chuck Berry arrangement of a straightforward rock tune with the stops in it. Terrible lyrics that you can a guy that's as great as don henley in terms of lyrics probably wrote that thing in the first pass yeah they wrote it right before the show you can tell it's fucking <laughs> awful and then and here's the here's the kicker here's the kicker for me there's, oh, there's a, a kicker there's a guitar solo in that song i'm pretty sure it's the main guitar solo you have joe walsh and don felder in this band two amazing guitar players and you can clearly tell that neither one of them are playing the guitar solo it's either a session guy or it's glenn fry doing a solo and it's so ridiculous it's not good it's it sounds like me doing the solo and you've got two <laughs> amazing guitar players in the band i don't know how how this happened like and I and whoever somebody who was putting all the money up for that reunion when they heard that playback they had to be like we got fucked you <laughs> yeah what is gold what does gold mccarty say crying and whining and pitching a fit get over it how bad are these lyrics well i, I mean think about this I, I, like these are the same guys that were responsible for hotel california all right i was about to say and if, you, if you're gonna bring up if you look Hotel California, the lyrics are terrible. No, they're not. Those yes, are great they lyrics. Are. Her mind is Tiffany twisted. That's one of the best lyrics ever. On a dark desert highway. Don't even cool start wind with me. In my head. Those lyrics are fucking great. Warm That's smell of colitas rising up through the air. It's better than it, you haven't been the same since you had a little crash, but you might feel better if they gave you some cash. Well, the they hotel, did give them some cash. 
Fuck that song. Fuck, get over it. All right, Liz, I'm not saying that I necessarily fully disagree with you, but I don't have a problem with that song. Like, I would have gone with, like, something else. <laughs> Wait, what did Mark say? But they wrote it and performed it in a fashion that was worthy of respect. Are you referring to Hotel California or Get no, Over It? I think he's it? talking about Get Over It. <laughs> no, sorry, Mark. I got to disagree, man. That's That was a, hey, we owe them a song. Let's knock one out yeah. real quick. Well, there's that. Yeah, get over it is my my choice. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ladies and, and gentlemen. One last thing about it. I want to say that I hate that at the very end, Don Henley goes, get over it. Why? Because we already heard him say it 50 fucking times through the song. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you're going to criticize that? <laughs> Like that's well, that's what you point out. It just it just throws that extra layer of cheese ball on it. <laughs> I know how Don I know how Don Don Henley feels put about the, it. Put that comment up, please. The last one. <laughs> I still haven't gotten. <laughs> oh my god! It's painting a picture, man. <laughs> oh my oh, god! It's fantastic. Well, with that, Fuck you and. <laughs> i Ladies still haven't gotten over it yes i know this is the end of the show we're calling it i'm calling it at this point <laughs> thanks for joining us see i'm able to do outro music now which is kind of cool yes uh but my name is mike that is nick this is an original composition by myself which doubles as our our uh, our uh, uh theme music Thank you for watching Cover to Covered. We'll be back next week with And in the End, which we will talk about songs that end albums. In the meantime, think about what you would like to add to our list. And I promise I'll get both of these playlists up over the next three or four days. It's just been hell in a handbasket for me, and I hope you all understand. But in the meantime, it's painting a picture, man. <laughs> best comment of the show is i still haven't gotten over it <laughs> exactly still haven't gotten over it oh my god that's the end of that thank you all goodbye have fun see you next week